0: part 3 chapter 29c of a vital question or what is to be done by nikolai chernyshevsky translated by nathan haskell dole 1852 to 1935 and others this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by expatriate in bangor maine part 3 marriage and second love chapter 29c with all the roughness of his behaviour rakhmatov was entirely right both in the very fact that he began as he did because he first learned thoroughly about me and only then undertook this business with me and that he ended the conversation as he did i really did not tell him what i thought and he really was right in calling me a liar and this could not be offensive at all it was even flattering to me in the present case according to his expression because there was such a case and because he could preserve his former confidence in me and possibly even respect yes with all the savageness of his manners everybody remained satisfied that rakhmatov acted as he did because it was the most simple and common sense way of acting and the terrible extremes to which he went and his horrible reproaches he spoke in such a way that no person of common sense could be offended with them and with all his phenomenal roughnesses he was at heart very gentle his preliminary talk was always of this stamp. Every embarrassing explanation he began thus. You know very well that I speak without any personal feeling. If my words prove to be disagreeable, I beg you to excuse them. But I find that there is no need of getting offended when anything is kindly meant, absolutely, without intention of offending, but from necessity. However, as soon as it shall seem to you useless to listen to my words, I will stop. My rule is to offer my opinion everywhere and always whenever I am impelled, but never to impose it upon anyone. And actually he did not impose it. It was impossible to save one's self from him expressing his opinion, if he found it necessary, but only so far that you might understand his view of it. But he did it in two or three words, and then he would add, Now you know what the tenor of my conversation would be. Do you find it useful to have such a talk? If you said no, he bowed and went off. This was the way that he spoke and managed his affairs, and he had a great many things to attend to, and none of them were matters that concerned him personally. He had no personal business, as everybody knew, but what affairs he attended to, no one in the circle knew. It could only be seen that he had a great deal of bother. He was at home very little. He was always on the go. He was always traveling, but for the most part he walked. But there were always people calling upon him either the same people or new ones and on this account he made it a rule to be always at home between two and three at this time he talked with them and had his dinner But very often he would not be at home for several days then in his place one of his friends who was devoted to him soul and body would be at his rooms and receive callers silent as the grave two years after this glimpse of him in Kirsdnof's library with newton's commentary on the apocalypse he left petersburg telling kirsdnoff and one or two of his most intimate friends that he had nothing more to do there that he has done all that he could that he may be able to do more after three years that these three years are free now that he is thinking of availing himself of them according as it may seem necessary for his future activity we learned afterwards that he left for his former estate sold the land which he had reserved getting thirty five thousand rubles for it went to kazan in moscow gave five thousand rubles or so to his stipendiaries so that they might graduate and that was all we knew about him where he went after leaving moscow is not known after several months passed without any tidings from him those who knew something more about him than all the rest knew ceased to hide things about which by his request they had kept silent so long as he was among us then our little circle learned that he had stipendiaries and also learned the larger part of his personal doings which i have already told we learned a great deal about his adventures which however did not explain everything in fact explained nothing at all but only made rakhmatov a still more mysterious person for the whole circle adventures which by their strangeness surprised us or entirely contradicted the opinion which the circle entertained of him as a man who was entirely hard-hearted as far as personal feeling, went. One who had not, if I may use the expression, a personal heart, beating with the sensation of personal life. To relate all of these adventures would not be in place here. I shall only quote two of them of two different kinds, one of a savage order, the other of a stamp which contradicted the former ideas entertained by the circle in his regard. I will select these histories from those told by Kirsonov about a year before he left petersburg for the second and probably the last time rakhmtov said to kirsdnof give me a good quantity of plaster for curing wounds from sharp weapons kirsdnof gave him a big jar supposing that rakhmtov wanted to take this medicament to some society of carpenters or other laborers who are frequently subjected to cuts on the next morning rakhmtov's landlady came in great alarm to Kirsenov, Batyushka doctor i don't know what has happened to my tenant for he has not been out of his room for a long time he has locked the door i peeked through the crack he was lying all in blood i began to scream and he says to me says he it's nothing agrafina antonovna what does he mean by nothing save him batishka doctor i am afraid it's suicide he is so unmerciful to himself kirsdnof ran in all haste rakhmtof opened the door with a melancholy broad smile the caller saw the thing from which naagrafina antonovna alone might have been frightened the back and shoulders of his underclothes he was dressed only in his underclothes were soaked with blood there was blood on the bed the straw bed on which he slept was also covered with blood in the straw were thousands of little nails with heads down and points up they penetrated out from the bag almost an inch brahmatov had been lying on them all night long for heaven's sake what is the matter rakhmatov cried kirsdnof in horror it is a trial it is necessary it's incredible of course however it is necessary i see that i can stand it besides what kirsdnof saw it may be judged from this that the kozyaika also could relate a great many interesting things about rakhmatov but in her capacity of a simple-hearted and simply dressed old woman she was out of her wits in regard to him and, of course, it was impossible to learn anything from her. This time she ran off to get Kirsdnof only because Rakhmatov allowed her to do so to calm her. She wept so bitterly, thinking that he was going to commit suicide. Two months after that was the end of May. Rakhmatov was away for a week or more, but at that time nobody noticed it because it was a common occurrence for him to vanish in that way. Now, Kirsdnof told the following story of the way Rakhmatov spent those days they constituted an erotic episode in rakhmatov's life love arose from an occurrence which was worthy of nikitushka lomov rakhmatov was going from the first pargolov into town lost in thoughts and looking at the ground in his usual way he was near the forestry institute he was awakened from his thoughts by the desperate shrieks of a woman he looked up a horse attached to a sharaban in which a lady was riding was running away the lady herself was driving but she could not control him the reins were trailing on the ground and the horse was within two steps of rakhmatov he threw himself in the midst of the way but the horse was already past him he had no time to catch the reins he had only time to catch the hind axle of the sharaban he brought it to a stop but it threw him down a crowd gathered helped the lady out of the sharaban and lifted rakhmatov to his feet his chest was somewhat bruised but the worst was that the wheel had torn out a large piece of flesh from his leg. The lady came to herself and ordered him taken to her dacha, which was within half a verst. He consented because he felt weak from loss of blood, but he asked that Kirsdinov should be sent for without fail and no other doctor. Kirsonov found that the bruises on his chest were not serious, but Rachmatov was weak from loss of blood. He lay there for ten days the rescued lady of course took care of him herself he could not do anything else in his weak condition and so he talked with her all the same the time would be wasted he talked with her and became quite friendly with her the lady was a widow of nineteen she was not poor and generally speaking she was in an absolutely independent position an intellectual and respectable woman rakhmatov's fiery speeches of course not on the subject of love charmed her I see him in my dreams, surrounded by a halo, she said to Kirsdnof. Rakhmatov also fell in love with her. She, judging by his dress and by everything else, supposed that he was a man who had absolutely nothing, and therefore she was the first to confess her love, and she offered to marry him, when on the eleventh day he got up and said that he was able to go home. I have been more frank with you than with others. You see, such people as I have no right to unite the fate of any one else with their own. Yes, that is true she said you have no right to marry but till the time when you must renounce me love me no i cannot accept that he said i must suppress love in my heart to love you would tie my hands even as it is they cannot be free so soon for they are already tied but i shall untie them i must not love what became of the lady a crisis must have come into her life in all probability she also became an extraordinary person i wanted to find out about it but i cannot Kirsonov did not tell me her name, and he himself did not know what became of her. Rachmatov asked him not to see her and not to inquire about her. If I supposed that you knew anything about her, I could not refrain from asking, and that would not do. After hearing this story, all remembered that for a month or two afterwards, and maybe more, Rachmatov was more melancholy than usual, did not get angry with himself, no matter how his eyes were pinched by his low weakness that is for cigars and did not smile sweetly and broadly when he was flattered with the name of nikitushka Lomov, and i recollected also more that summer three or four times in conversations with me some time after our first conversation he began to be fond of me because i laughed at him when i was alone with him and in reply to my rallying him would utter such words as these yes pity me you are right i myself am not an abstract idea I am a man who would like to love. No, it is nothing, though. It will pass, he would add. And in reality, he got over it. Only once, after I had roused his spirits by some of my ridiculous speeches, even in the late fall, he still uttered these words. The sapient reader, maybe, will guess from this that I know more about Rachmatov than I am telling him. It may be. I do not dare to contradict him because he is so sapient but if i do not know there are a good many other things that i know which thou sapient reader will not know as long as thou shalt live but there is one thing that i really do not know i do not know this where rakhmatov is now and what he is doing or whether i shall ever see him again i have no other information or conjectures beyond what all of his acquaintances have when three or four months have passed since his disappearance from moscow and there was no tidings at all about him we all suppose that he went travelling over europe this conjecture apparently was true at least it was confirmed by the following circumstance in a year after rakhmatov disappeared one of kirsdnof's acquaintances met on a car between vienna and munich a young russian who said that he had travelled all over the slavonic lands everywhere he had made friends among all classes and in every country he had stayed long enough to learn the ideas habits styles of life the local customs of self-government the different degrees of welfare among all the classes of the population and for this purpose he had lived in the cities and towns and had gone on foot from one village to another then afterwards in the same way he had studied the Romanians and hungarians he had travelled over northern germany from there he had again made his way on foot to the south in the german provinces of austria now he was going to bavaria and from there to switzerland through Wurttemberg and baden to france which he intended to travel and walk through in the same way from there with the same purpose in view he was going to england and he intended to spend a year in this way if any time should be left from this year he would see the spaniards and italians but if no time were left then be it so because this is not so necessary but the other lands are necessary why for study and after a year, it would be necessary for him to be at all events in the states of North America to study, which was more necessary for him than any other land. And there he was going to stay a long time, maybe for more than a year, and maybe forever if he should find anything to do there. But it was more probable that in three years he would return to Russia, because in Russia, if not now, still by that time it will be necessary for him to be there. All this seemed very much like Rakhmetov, especially the word necessary which was left in the narrator's memory his age his voice his features as far as the narrator could remember of the traveller also pointed to Rahmatah. but the narrator did not pay much attention at that time to his travelling companion who moreover was not with him very long not more than two hours he entered the train at some little town and he got out at some village therefore the narrator could describe his appearance only in two general terms and there was no full certainty possible but in all probability it was rakhmatov yet who can tell maybe it was not he there was still another rumor that a young russian once a proprietor appeared before one of the greatest european philosophers of the nineteenth century the father of a new philosophy a german i have thirty thousand dollars all i need is five thousand the balance i beg of you to accept from me the philosopher was living very wretchedly why to publish your works. The philosopher naturally did not accept the offer, but the Russian was said to have left the money with a banker in the philosopher's name, and to have written him thus, use this money as you please, throw it into the river if you want, but you can't return it to me, you can't find me. And it is said that even now this money is at the banker's. If this rumor is true, then there is no doubt that it was Rachmatov who appeared before the philosopher. Such was the gentleman who was sitting in Kirsdanov's library yes this gentleman is an extraordinary man an example of a very rare species i do not describe this example of a very rare species with all this detail for the sake of teaching thee o sapient reader how to treat people of this kind politely for that is out of thy province it is not likely that thou wilt see any such people thy eyes sapient reader are not constituted so as to see such people they are invisible to thee only honest and courageous eyes see them but the description of this man will serve thee so thou canst know by hearsay what people there are in the world for what purpose this description serves my lady readers and simple-hearted readers they best know by themselves yes ridiculous people like rakhmatov are very amusing i say this for their own benefit that they are ridiculous because i feel pity for them i say to those noble people who are fascinated by them don't follow their example i say this because the path over which they call you to follow is barren of personal happiness but noble people do not listen to me they say no it is not barren it is very rich though it may be barren in some places yet these places are not long we shall have strength enough to pass these places and we shall come to places which are rich with endless happiness so thou seest sapient reader that it is not for thy sake but for the other part of the public that i have said that such people as rakhmatov are ridiculous to thee o sapient reader i will declare that they are not bad people otherwise thou very likely will not understand for thyself no they are not bad people there are few of them but through them flourishes the life of all without them life would become dead and putrid there are few of them but they help all people to breathe without them people would suffocate the mass of honest and kind people is great but people like these are few but they are in the midst like caffeine and tea like the bouquet and fine wine from them come their strength and fragrance it is the flower of the best people they are the motive powers of motive powers they are the salt of the salt of the earth End of part three, chapter twenty nine recording by expatriate in bangor maine